0: Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in and a warm welcome to the Discussions Delivered Podcast where we engage in discussions that truly matter to you. I'm your host Surya Pasricha, and in this podcast I interview some truly exceptional people and leaders from a variety of backgrounds from across the globe. I hope you all get to learn something new from each episode of this podcast specially curated for you. In today's episode, we have Christy Un with us who is the co-founder of Jenner Vision House an NGO localizing and spreading awareness regarding Sustainable Development Goals in Macau. Prior to co-founding the NGO with her friend, Christy worked with the United Nations High Commission for Refugees, where she created content on refugee-related developments for the largest Syrian refugee camp in the world. She has worked closely with the United Nations University Institute in Macau in the areas of Global Public Policy and Sustainable Development Goals. Christy is also an established researcher and a columnist with some of her work published in the Diplomat and the International Conference on the Ethical and Social Impact of ICT Journal. In this episode, Christy talks about her experiences working at the largest Syrian refugee camp, her take on cybersecurity and trends which can revolutionize social impact for the better such as blockchain and scan technologies. She also talks about the funding aspect for social impact ventures why good public policy and governance is needed and how she is tackling the sustainable development goal challenge in her country, Macau. If you're someone who wants to create value not just for yourself but for your community and society as well, do listen to this episode till the end. There's definitely gonna be a lot of worldly knowledge and for sure a lot of inspiration packed for you in this one. So let's jump straight into the conversation and hear out from Christy. the podcast, Christy. Thank you so much for joining us. It is really a pleasure hosting you today. How are you doing? I'm
1: doing really well and trying to cope with uh, the COVID effects and trying to stay productive. How are
0: Mm you? I'm great as well. And, uh, you know, the first time I came across your work at your Venture Genovision house, I was like, wow, this is such an amazing thing to be doing. And I also started getting intrigued by this entire social impact venture space. But can you, for all our curious listeners, give us a brief about yourself and what Genovision House is really about and how you started off with this entire idea?
1: Um, so my name is Christy Un and I'm a a local citizen from Macau. And so uh, back then, uh, about two years ago, I was interning in Jordan with UNHCR in the largest Syrian refugee camp in the world. And while I was working there as an external relations intern producing media and contents uh, related to uh, refugee developments, um, COVID-19 came and I was in lockdown for a few months and I had to... uh, remake my decisions about uh, where I should be heading to next in life, whether I should be leaving the country and heading back to my home country or not. And it was then that I uh, then hopped on my flight, which I was lucky enough to hop on a flight back home. And I uh, witnessed how um, COVID-19 has impacted the society at home. And I felt like it's a time for a change. And Especially um, in Macau, um, the economic sectors are mainly focused on the uh, casino industries and also tourism. And we could see how uh, COVID-19 has impacted uh, these sectors really heavily. And with this in mind, I have co-founded GenoVision House with my uh, dear friend, uh, Ariana, and this is an... uh, NGO focusing on um, disseminating information on how to localize sustainable development goals in Macau. And also, while I was working with Vision House, I and, uh, I have also been working uh, with United Nations University Institute in Macau uh, to work on uh, enhancing the cyber resilience of uh, civil society organizations in Macau and beyond. And with this uh, experience working um, in a top-down uh, research uh, Agenda, as well as like working in bottom-up community work with Vision House, I have gained more understanding about how um, sustainable development could be realized in the Macau context.
0: That is such a heartful and a great thing to be working on, especially in these times of distress where the pandemic has supposedly, you know, been an agent of pushing the vulnerable to the brim. And also, you have worked quite a lot with the vulnerable sections of the society, especially in Macau. So, how do you see that in terms of the lingering inequality, especially amongst those sections where people are unable to access even the most basic resources, be it food, be it education, healthcare? And does it in some way affect the prioritization of SDGs? Um, so, uh, uh,
1: luckily in the Macau society, the government. Uh, cares about the citizen. They have provided a lot of welfare ranging from uh, uh, some cash stipend uh, to support uh, civilians to, uh, for example, enhance their consumer demand and also to cope with uh, the economic impacts. And um, this is a, a positive development that the government is doing. But at the same time, we see that there is a growing inequality in the society, we could see that, um, for example, a lot of the workers have been laid off, especially uh, with migrant workers as well, who made up a huge um, proportion of our working force in our tourism industry, as well as uh, with the hotel industries. And um, these effects need to be uh, taken into consideration and how... um, uh, the society or the economy could be diversified in a sustainable manner. And it is with this in mind that uh, we in Genervision House uh, would like to provide more information about how other countries in the world are doing while they cope with COVID-19, how they are transforming uh, their economy. For example, adopting digital technologies uh, to uh, cater uh, for the vulnerable populations in terms of their service deliveries and also how businesses could be transformed and how the economy could also uh, be shifted into a greener um, transition. Um, For example, um, waste management issues and uh, green finance are one of the main things that Macau should be uh, transitioning towards and make more progress into.
0: You know, we also faced a similar problem uh, back uh, like last year when, you know, mm-hmm. migrants were laid off uh, because a lot of them used to work in construction industries. So, COVID 19 uh, majorly uh, affected a lot of migrants and uh, snatched away their livelihoods from them. And also, you know, COVID 19 has been playing its wrath and tremendously ill affecting people, I would say, from all walks of life. But especially uh, when it comes to the venerable sections of the society. Uh, they have uh, no access to equal resources equal opportunities and this pandemic has only widened the gap and made it worse and also you know people have lost their jobs as we talked about earlier and a lot of households unfortunately have also lost their sole bread earning member as well and covid-19 in terms of devastating people and bringing severe misery has not been short of till date so I was, uh, to this fact, I was also, you know, reading this book called the sapiens, uh, which talks about how inequality dates back to the stone age and also how groups are increasingly, uh, monopolizing the fruits of globalization and thus leaving billions behind, which was honestly uh, a new and an interesting revelation for me. Uh, and, uh, you know, since almost everything has gone online due to the COVID 19 pandemic, and you have been working quite a lot in the area of international relations and public policy so what is your take on global diplomacy in the virtual world and how does it play out especially at a micro or an NGO level?
1: Um, so uh, we, we could see that uh, as I have just mentioned uh, COVID-19 is a time where a lot of businesses and and communities have shifted towards a digital uh, transformation and um, We could also see that governments uh, have been very wary about, for example, cyber attacks on critical infrastructure, and also how um, digital technologies play a very important role to keep the society uh, intact and functioning. And so um, with this in mind, uh, we have seen that normally uh, the narrative is focusing on uh, securing the government's Uh, cybersecurity or uh, the businesses cybersecurity, but uh, civil society or civilians have been neglected. And also how, um, for example, we could see that uh, students who came back from abroad, which constitute around half of the population in Macau, actually, and uh, they came back uh, having struggled to continue remote education, Um, because there is a lack of public space for uh, discussions and also learning virtually. Uh, For example, in Macau, there are a lot of construction works happening every day, and they happen in times that are out of everyone's expectations. And also uh, the public internet uh, could be not really functioning uh, adequately during times that are very needed. So um, we could see that Uh, civilians and also civil society are um, under-prioritized during COVID-19. And it is in this time that digital technology also plays a very important role for them to continue to, whether it's uh, education, to continue to learn or to continue to operate their businesses. So um, globally, I think that governments should be taking more uh consideration into how to enhance uh c- civil society and civilian uh internet access and cybersecurity
0: that's really interesting for me and also i was uh, you know going through your op-ed and articles in the diplomat and global and uh, what really picked my interest was the way in which you talked about building citizen centric cyber resilience so can you for our listeners talk a bit about what citizen centric cyber resilience is And essentially what is meant by cyber resilience in general?
1: Uh, So cyber resilience is the ability to be able to adapt to and also become more resilient after uh, some adverse cyber events that an individual or an entity has encountered. And uh, this requires um, not just the technological side of things, for example, like Uh, updating your software or uh, buying new um, uh, antivirus software, for example. But it also uh, uh, requires um, civilians to have the awareness and knowledge about how to cope with these uh, cyber attacks and also the vulnerabilities that they would uh, be faced. Would be facing, and uh, so um, by citizen centric cyber resilience, this means that uh, governments and also um, software developers should be thinking in the uh, thought like should be thinking with the mental models or thought processes of civilians. Like how would they um, uh, perceive certain uh, cyber attacks, like phishing emails, for example, which Uh, Normally, a lot of citizens would be very vulnerable to because uh, they would not be able to identify which is uh, which email is authentic or which one is really trying to uh, people are trying to scam you, for example. So uh, by citizen centric, uh, even not just cyber resilience with everything uh, in the society, all kinds of development, it should think and begin with the starting point of uh, civilians as a focus.
0: Yeah, and also since you talked a lot about how technology is going to impact and how uh, cyber uh, resilience needs to be, you know, uh, more strengthened uh, in the times to come, uh, we are soon going to encounter a new era of high-end technology where artificial intelligence, cyber-physical systems, blockchain and cloud computing would essentially operate. So do you think citizens and people need to be made more aware about this entire concept of cyber resilience? And how can we move one step ahead to achieve this goal?
1: Um, Definitely, a civilian should be more aware about these developments because they have been increasingly affecting uh, their daily lives. And um, uh, one of uh, recently, one of uh, one of the reports that I, I've read about, which makes me uh, very intrigued and uh, uh, find it very relevant, is uh, the World Development Report by uh, the World Bank on how data could be used to improve the lives of civilians, especially those from low- and middle-income countries. So uh, a digital uh, social contract would require value, equity, and trust in data. And uh, it is very important that um, civilians could also be made to uh, trust using technologies and how uh, these technologies uh, could also benefit them. So with, uh, for example, blockchain technologies, it uh, secures people's data, but then um, people People should also know that how um, privacy and uh, ethics and how um, technologies could all interplay in the sense that there would be trade-offs, for example, between security and privacy or accountability. And um, secondly, um, uh, technologies such as AI and blockchain really could benefit vulnerable populations if they really uh, pursue um, the purpose of empowering civilian populations uh, and also trying to balance all the trade offs that I have just previously mentioned. So, uh, for example, with my uh, previous experience working in uh, Zatari refugee camp in Jordan, um, it would be surprising for outsiders to know that actually refugees have benefited a lot from blockchain. Technology, for example, in supermarkets uh, to avoid overcrowding and also to allow refugees to have uh, the dignity to uh, make their own choices and buy food products, there is an iris scan technology that make makes use of blockchain technology by scanning the iris, the uh, the iris of refugees. Um, payments could be uh, very directly processed and they could also exercise their choice of buying products and uh, their biometric data would be uh, saved very securely. So uh, these technologies could really empower citizens, but they should be put into good
0: use. Yeah, I mean, it's up to us, it's up to the governments, it's up to the civil society of how they want to use these technologies, whether they want to use it for the good or for the bad. So it's really mm-hmm. to us as a community and yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, also, uh, you know, from my experiences and understanding of how public policy is formed. So I was, uh, you know, in my back in my college days, I uh, read this subject about public policy. So they described three uh, different uh, pillars of public policy. So the first one was the public level in which you need to, you know, uh, ac- accommodate the interests of the public. But there's also this macro level which uh, accommodates uh, basically the nation's interest, the country's interest towards uh, sub uh, some particular issues. So, for example, if we are talking about cyber policy, or uh, maybe we are talking about technology, so it basically accommodates that. And then there's also an interface level where you know the public and the macro level interact with each other. And I also read that there is always a pyramid kind of structure for social ventures. So, and also, uh, there should be a bottom-up approach to you know, implementation of these policy processes. So, the policy process should start at the bottom of the society. So, it should accommodate all the ground-level workers, the, uh, the street-level workers, as they call it. And uh, they should include the teachers, the doctors, and all the ground-level uh, NGOs, for example. So that, uh, that you know provides a really cohesive way of uh, initiating the policy structure and actually carrying out tasks effectively. So that was really interesting for me and I really enjoyed uh, going through that subject. So let's just now move on to some questions about your NGO, since we have talked so much about global diplomacy, cybersecurity, uh, s- uh, sustainable development goals and all of that. Uh, So it would be really great if you can, you know, tell us more about the structure of a social impact venture, how it operates, how it is different from a for-profit venture from your experience, and how do you manage external funding and recommendations from local agencies, especially in this period of the pandemic. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So uh, to continue with the discussion that uh, you have just mentioned about public Uh, policy. Actually, um, bottom-up civil society uh, work is also very important to uh, keep public policies uh, moving. So uh, with a book that I have recently read uh, called Mission Economy, it highlights the point really well by saying that uh, it's not just the public sector and the private sector, but also the third sector and civilian participation, all of them, they are elements that are important to make um, SDGs happen and also sustainable development. And um, with uh, the NGO that I have been uh, working in, a GenoVision house, um, we have started it um, half a year ago and it is really challenging because especially in uh, COVID-19 times, it is especially hard to obtain funding and also to uh, have um, uh, and also to mobilize uh, youth or volunteers who would be devoted to the cause when there are already a lot of economic concerns that they should be thinking of. So uh, with this in mind, uh, we have been working really hard to try to uh, make sustainable development goals approachable to uh, the society in general. So, for example, we have created a lot of social media content um, on our Facebook, WeChat, and Instagram, uh, touching on sustainable developments uh, around the world and also how these ideas could be localized in the Macau context, whether it's like recycling or uh, whether it's economic diversification, for example. And um, by producing videos, uh, daily social media content, monthly newsletters with only a team of uh, 10 core members, actually, some of them are working virtually. So um we have been working really hard. And now uh, we have also uh, obtained uh, the interest of certain section of the society and it's uh, expanding. And we have also obtained our first official funding from uh, an international enterprise um, in the uh, plastic bag levy award ceremony uh, where where, um, enterprises, they would offer Uh, money collected from plastic levy uh, to NGOs which could be uh, making an impact locally so uh, we are very grateful of this and we would still like to yeah, continue and work hard and try to obtain more funding and partnerships with uh, enterprises and uh, improve on the corporate social responsibility side of things and also um, improve the awareness and understanding of sustainable development goals for them to be achieved by 2030 hopefully
0: <laughs> yeah hopefully uh, we achieve those in the near future and, you know that's recommendable really that you got funding and all of that. And you know I can certainly relate, uh, I can certainly relate to the hard work involved in putting up an entire venture together, especially a social impact venture. And I'm sure that there must be certain challenges which you must have faced in terms of getting grants, communication challenges and whatnot. And you also talked about your social media journey, how you put up newsletters, put up videos for communicating all of the ideas which you had in your mind at that time. Uh, So how did you basically overcome all the challenges that you faced? Uh, Was it a bit difficult for you or uh, did you get over them quite easily? Uh, How was that experience? Uh,
1: (laughs) Actually, it is very challenging, but very rewarding at the same time because um, I have been working uh, with my full-time job and I'm also working with my own NGO. So uh, I've been balancing my work-life balance and work-work balance. So, um, but I really uh, do believe that it is teamwork that has driven the organization so far to the point that we are reaching today. And uh, I'm very grateful to have uh, met like-minded uh, people and youth who would want to uh, also uh, realize this cause to localize sustainable development in Macau. And um, I think uh, it is, as I said, teamwork is very important and every one of us brings different strengths. And so uh, even with our virtual members, we try to include them in uh, the work that we do. For example, we would host like a book discussion, webinars uh, to engage um The local audience virtually and also for uh, on-site team members we would do uh, activities which happens uh, on average uh, monthly and uh, in this way we could engage with the uh, locals and also trying to uh, forge a sense of community so that they won't feel that oh sustainable development is something that is uh, which is a concept that is very far away so it makes them feel like oh uh, by having discussions and also like having a community of people who cares about the same cause uh, we could be working on this together
0: yeah I mean there's always a way out and there's always some other other way to you know keep your team engaged keep yourself engaged so that you can perform your tasks effectively at the venture you are trying to build or you have already built so and mm-hmm. uh, yeah and somewhere deep down uh, you know i personally believe that challenges are a part and parcel of life and you need to believe in yourself in your team stay true to yourself work harder and eventually you will start reaching new heights so that is that one mantra which i abide by and i try to you know uh, abide by those venture uh, by those mantras uh, in the daily tasks which i carry out so that has been kept me going, uh, since the past, like one year or so, because, uh, earlier when we used to have physical classes into in college and I graduated recently, but, uh, it's really, hard, you know, uh, it's really hard to cope, cope up online because you don't get to meet your friends. You don't get to meet your teachers. So there's a loss in, you know, personal connection, which, uh, the online space can't, uh, really fulfill. Until uh, virtual reality is developed or something like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Will. And I I think it is a really difficult time for everyone. And to be in a country or in a geographical region which is uh, relative more safe from these uh, COVID nineteen effects is really a very um, privileged thing and I'm, I'm grateful that uh, in Macau um, the situation is uh, quite peaceful and stable so we could be able to do some on-site events and yeah
0: I mean in our country it's still uh, you know going on virtually because there are a lot of cases increasing day by day and mm-hmm. the population yeah. is too much so we can't you know keep control of everything you can't stop everyone from going out
1: so yeah definitely
0: it's a really hard and actually our colleges our university opened back in the day but it closed after you know 10 or 15 days and since mm-hmm. within a year it has been closed I have not been to my university since a year.
1: oh I'm sorry about that <laughs> it, it is really difficult I have heard from some of my friends they have also been going through the same thing and it is really not easy to have like the most exciting part of your life for example university uh life to be yeah totally different from what you have been imagining
0: yeah exactly and uh, yeah i'm sure you must be having some amazing plans for the future for your venture genevision house so what are some of those and also what is that one advice you would like to give your future self and especially to people who are passionate about starting their own social impact venture mhm
1: Um, So in the future, um, things are still evolving and as I have just previously mentioned, we would like to engage more with enterprises and corporates so that uh, we could incorporate uh, corporate social responsibility and also um, the uh, general understandings of sustainable development goals in Macau uh, and share them with uh, these entities and also we have uh, internally, we have been conducting research on uh, uh, the situation of sustainable development goals in Macau, because this data is lacking, uh, just as how this data is also lacking globally and regionally. So, uh, we have been conducting literature review and we're also planning to uh, conduct some stakeholder interviews and uh, collaborate with uh, yeah, private sector and uh, hopefully also pub- public sector in the future so that uh, we can yeah, bring more of these ideas and understanding uh, together and also forge a cross-sectoral collaboration. Um, and also we would like to host some... Uh, Summit or discussion um, workshops where we could uh, further promote these ideas and make, um, yeah, make some uh, to inform some policy change if possible. And uh, one thing also about what I would tell others when they want to start their social ventures um, actually, with Gender Vision House, it was never really a thing I would have. Uh, expected in the beginning like I I was just having this idea with my friend and we've been talking about it during our um, quarantine times in in the hotel when we just got back to Macau and we're like oh this is a time that um, is uh, really in need of changing and we see opportunities and challenges so my advice would be uh, never be fearful about what might be coming next because Um, things could happen one step at a time and in a pace that you would never be imagining. If you asked me half a year ago, I would never have imagined we could have started an NGO and managed to obtain our first funding in this difficult time. So um, if you have an idea, just go for it. And if you are passionate about the cause, it will bring you further to any path that you would want in the future.
0: So basically, I also believe in this concept of incremental learnings. So I believe that you know uh, you should always strive to learn and keep on trying new things because if you keep on trying new things, you will actually find uh, what you're truly passionate about. So in the past year, uh, individuals like myself, like my college friends, and myself, uh, you know, got to experiment with a lot of things. We I did research internships. I also did some entrepreneurial boot camps. So I really got to, you know, uh, experiment with things and I also truly found my passion. So I think it's really important to, you know, keep striving, keep working harder and just, uh, you know, believe in yourself and you can do it if you believe in yourself. So that's the true mantra I abide by. And, uh, also, you know, uh, we generally ask our guests to leave us with some parting advice, so would you like to share any words of wisdom and what would they be?
1: I think um, um, we, have we have quite a similar th- idea about how um, we should uh, strive for our passion and things that we truly believe in. And I believe that um, the world is very interconnected. And one thing that might seem to have happened and made you feel like, oh, um, uh this is bad, but if you look back a few years later on it, you might think that that is actually a good thing that has pushed you to the point that um uh you are doing these things today, and all the dots they would connect and um so my uh parting uh words would be that um yeah uh never feel uh, too self-defeated if things don't appear to be what you're expecting because you won't know what would be happening next and it might bring you further to a position uh, closer to realizing your goals and dreams. For example when I was in uh, lockdown in Jordan and I had to like uh, end my internship prematurely I thought to myself, okay, so what's next? And also, okay, so I'm heading back home. I I would think of what my future life plan would be. And nothing is certain. But then when I went back, and I know that something has to be changed, and I have a belief that this could happen. And when it happens, things will keep rolling. So I think it is... Um, uh, challenges will come but you could also find opportunities in them
0: yeah yeah. and adding on to that I also believe that you know the most important thing is to stay curious and to learn from others since uh, once you are curious and willing to learn through stories of various people you eventually start exploring new things and eventually find your way to thrive so that's really a commendable and valuable advice which you gave out here and uh, yeah I hope a lot of people uh, soon get to hear about your journey through this podcast so that it can, you know, go on to inspire a lot of people and especially the youth. Also, I'm sure the journey you embarked on must have given you a lot of learnings and lessons for the future. But sadly, this unfortunately, you know, brings us to the end of this podcast. Thanks a lot, Christy. I truly appreciate you sharing your journey and the plethora of experiences you had with our listeners. Thank you so much for taking out the time for being here and best of luck.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. It's an honor to be uh, speaking with you on these matters.
0: Thanks a lot.